Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Dave, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, you know, I came across you by way of our mutual friend, Mike Rohde, who said you had an amazing story and that you're up to amazing things in the world. And, you know, anytime another guest refers, uh, you know, another one, I'm always excited about that. So on that note, can you tell us a bit about your story, your journey, your background and how that has brought you to, uh, you know, what you're up to and uh, where you're at in the world today? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I was one of those, I was never one of those people who had any, uh, sort of who was, who didn't know what I wanted to do. I think, um, I, I always wanted to be an artist. I was a, since I was a little kid, I was drawing pictures and, um, I think drawing for me was, uh, wasn't simply an artistic activity. It was a way of understanding the world. It was a part of, um, really, uh, pen and paper is almost a part of my brain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I've always found, visualizing ideas was a really important aspect of understanding them for me. Hmm. And then, um, I sort of figured out somewhere along the line that when I was making a drawing for myself to understand something, those uh, drawings ended up being useful for other people too. So it was almost like I was building a, a learning ramp <laughs> for myself. And then mm -hmm. once I had finished drawing it, um, uh, I could share that with other people and they could, you know, use the same ramp. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I went to art school. I mean, it was, uh, sort of, uh, took me a while to convince my parents that it was a good idea for me to go to art school. Uh, but eventually I did. And, uh, then I, uh, my first job out of school was a, uh, newspaper artist job mm -hmm. where, uh, and that was really fun for me because it was about, uh, doing that thing that I had done my whole life, you know, drawing pictures and making information graphics to help people understand things. So and it, was an, and it was a new thing every day. So it was almost like getting paid to learn. So it was really fun. <clears throat> and then uh, that, I think I would have probably done that for my whole life, if not for the fact that it became evident after only a few years of doing that, that the newspaper industry was in decline mm -hmm. and, uh, I was, you know, 26 years old or something looking at this industry thinking, okay, 
there's no way I'm going to retire in the newspaper business. So what I better start thinking about what else I can do or what I might be able to do. And, uh, I had this idea that, um, so it occurred to me that, uh, the people were, people were enjoying the information graphics uh, that I was doing. I don't know if you know, do you know what I mean by an infographic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, cause so there are things floating around the web now that I would not call an infographic, but an infographic is anything visual that is, uh, explaining something. So it could be anything from, uh, you know, there's a map, uh, there's going to be a parade. So we'll show you where the parade's going to go to, uh, charts and graphs that are showing numerical things to, um, explaining, um, you know, uh, Sometimes there is a hostage situation. You drive, got to draw a 3D view of the building so people can, you know, explaining what happened. So it's really, it's just journalism. It's reporting, but it's visual. Mm-hmm. And so I realized it was clear to me that people were enjoying the infographics, even if they weren't going to be, uh, you know, buying newspapers for much longer. I felt that infographics had a life beyond uh, newspapers. So I, without really having a lot of, great ideas about who the customers would be. I started a company to doing, um, what I would call visual journalism for organizations, basically helping them explain their most difficult, most complex and potentially confusing communications issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it turns out that I found that this was very valuable to, uh, companies for a lot of reasons. Sometimes, uh, they were doing internal uh, process changes, or they were going to implement a new technology internally, or they were going to um, be, uh, they had something complex that they were selling, they need to explain to customers. And the power of an infographic is that you can explain something that's got a few powerful things to it. One is, um, in some ways, it's self explanatory, it doesn't even need help, uh, if a, a good one. Another thing is that it uh, can explain something relatively complex in an extremely short period of time. Uh, about maybe a tenth the time that it might take to explain it in words because when you explain things in words, people have to actually translate the words and try and form a picture in their head. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've already got a picture for them, you kind of like can skip a few steps. Um, and also uh, an infographic can be really powerful as a listening tool because if you're sitting across a table for, from someone and you put a piece of paper out there that kind of displays everything you're going to talk about, um, it gives the listener more power over, over asking questions and, um, uh, I don't know if I can describe this very well, but you know, you, you, uh, you're walking someone through a map, imagine walking someone through a map of some, uh, complex, uh, idea, they can, um, easily refer back to points in the conversation, by just by pointing at something, mm-hmm. or they can say, okay, I know all that. I know all this stuff. Just skip over here. So it's almost like it gives the uh, person who's listening in a in a conversation a sort of the power to uh, fast forward and rewind the conversation, and so those things together. I didn't know any of those things really when I started it, but um, what I found was that this was a very powerful this was a very powerful tool for communication in a lot of ways, some of which I hadn't anticipated, and we were. We were so successful with this little company, um, which is still around, by the way. We grew it really fast. We were working with Fortune 500 companies, and what happened was we were uh, we became kind of experts in uh, 
change and uh, any kind of change or innovation initiative within a company. Because what happened was we had figured, we had sort of learned that uh, in order to make one of these pictures, we often had to talk to several different people who usually didn't talk to each other, experts in different aspects of whatever this complex thing was. You engineers, you know, engineers don't often talk to salespeople, for example, but they share a goal of communicating whatever the engineered thing is to potential customers. So they would get together in a room and we sort of became uh, experts in, you know, facilitating these conversations that helped companies get better at changing things. Mm -hmm. And so we, the companies that started out as really more of kind of an information design firm grew up and became a a change consultancy. Um, And it was really just because uh, the, the power of drawing ideas is really the power of understanding and communicating ideas and understanding and communicating complex ideas is what makes most businesses go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, we were able to help companies get stuff done faster and better and, um, uh, you know, orders of magnitude faster. And they were getting their, whatever their business results were, they were achieving those faster. And, uh, it was a really fun time. Hmm. I learned a lot. I mean, I could tell you all I've learned. I know so much now about what makes giant businesses run. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's like uh, every time we did it, we would learn more. And to, for me, the the thing that's exciting and fun and energizing is meeting interesting people who are doing interesting things and learning about stuff. Hmm. Uh, that that's just. Uh, I think that's what makes me tick, and it's so it's really it's uh, become one of these. Um, I mean, we're talking about creativity here, so I, I guess I will say, in my mind, the really uh, the true creative people are not just creating stuff; they're creating their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I've part of that is figuring out what it is you want to do with your life. Mm-hmm or how, what you enjoy doing and figuring out ways to do more of it and, um, somehow find ways to, uh, pay your bills while you're doing it. Right. Right. Well, let's do this. Um, let's go back to, to sort of the beginning of this and let's talk about this whole idea of going to art school and convincing your parents that going (laughs) to art school is a really good thing. Because I think that the, the typical challenge for any creative person is something very similar. The idea of a creative career is is sort of um, you know littered with that whole idea that you know you're going to be you're going to be a starving artist, and I, I want to talk about that narrative uh, in a bit more depth. And and you know one how you overcame it with your parents, uh, but you know how do we deal with that as creative professionals and, and people who are are doing creative work? Like how do you overcome that challenge uh, internally? For yourself, you mean making a creative life, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, uh, as far as my parents went, um, I was, uh, I basically had decided, I'm getting an echo here suddenly. Hmm. I don't know, something changed over there? No, it sounds fine to me. Okay. Um, as far as as far as far the um, my parents went, it came down to, uh, I was pretty convinced and uh, nothing was going to shake me that I was going to be an artist. And I would have, I think I would have done it no matter what they said or did. And part of that was because, um, I realized that I was sitting in all my high school classes and, um, 
it wasn't that I wasn't learning or, or doing okay in my classes. I did, I was an honor student actually, and, uh, did, was doing very well in my classes, but every class I was in, I was drawing. I was learning the stuff, but I was drawing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I thought to myself, well, you know, as long as this is what I'm going to be doing all the time, uh, anyway, uh, I might as well be doing, you know, taking the classes where, um, this is what I'm getting the credit for. So, um, I think I just basically, uh, you know, it wasn't that my parents were just dead set against it. They were like a lot of parents, I think just concerned, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, how are you going to make a living? You know, can, what about, uh, I mean, could, what about going to a more of a liberal arts school and then you can minor in art or you could take, you know, something. And I was like, no, I, no, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I'll find a way. And, uh, eventually my dad, uh, surprised me because he just said, okay, well, if, if this is what you think, if this is what you're going to do, then let's try and get you into the best one we can because, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard world out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there wasn't, I don't know that I did any convincing other any, anything like that other than just being stubborn. But, uh, I think that, I do think that there's something about um, knowing what you want, not only what you want, but uh, I think it actually asking yourself what you want might be the wrong question. Hmm. Um, because you could, for example, uh, you know, I just, just put a metaphor out there. You could be a, let's say you're a turtle and what you want is to grow wings and fly and soar like an eagle um, you're probably going to be a pretty unhappy turtle because what you want is sort of out of, uh, is sort of not very aligned with who you are. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, I had a sort of epiphany in my life where I thought, okay, um, let me, let's just stop thinking about what I want for a minute and think about my life so far. Where, where are the times, the moments that I have felt the most joy, the most, uh, alive, the most, you know, uh, were the most blissful times in my life. And it was, it was, uh, didn't, it wasn't really, it was easy. That was an easy question to answer because, um, I feel most alive when I'm making things where I'm creating things, bringing new things into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be a drawing, but it might be anything. It could be a, you know, sculpture or, you know, for, for me, there's a joy in, uh, work that creates a tangible result, something that you can see and touch and, uh, something beautiful, making Mm -hmm. beautiful things. And so, um, once I realized that, then, um, it wasn't so much about making plans and goals and trying to make steps through, uh, you know, uh, trying to make some kind of phased, uh, plan for my life. It was more about in the moment, um, finding ways to, um, do that more. And whenever a big decision came, I started asking myself the question, will it help me lead a more creative life? And if the answer was yes, I would try and do that thing. Even if it was something that was challenging or something I was nervous about or anxious or afraid, I would do it. I had a sort of philosophy of going towards the fear whenever I was in doubt. And, uh, that's paid off many times. And and the thing that's surprising to me about that is that it's not so much that 
it's not so much that I ended up doing the things that I thought I would be doing. I ended up doing a lot of things that I never would have anticipated. I never thought I would be doing, you know, being a change consultant or working with big companies or, you know, I never, I never even thought in the early days, I never even thought I would be doing infographics or Mm -hmm. anything like that. I just knew that I was going to be, you know, making the decisions that would lead me to more creativity. And, uh, what's happened is, uh, I've met all kinds of interesting people. I had, a, for example, I had an opportunity to throw my whole life behind and move to Spain because my company was uh, trying to f- figure out how to open uh, offices in Europe. And they basically said, came to me one day and said, well, you know what? Um, I'm, we're only going to do this if you want to go over there and you know, basically throw away your whole life and move to Spain and live there for a year and get this thing going. And of course, that was something that's kind of interesting, but also a little bit uh, nerve wracking. I didn't speak any Spanish. I didn't know anybody over there. Um, The idea of going over there for a year was a little bit intimidating to me, but uh, I went towards a fear. And so, so many times I've made decisions in that way. And so many times it's ended up enriching my life in in many ways. But, uh, you know, that idea of you know, asking myself, will I, will it help me lead a more creative life? That's been a really powerful tool for me. Hmm. So, you know, I've asked people various versions of the question, this question, but I've never asked it in this way. Uh, you know, you seem very, very clear on a calling and something that you're compelled to do uh, at a very early age. And I'm really interested in why you think people lose sight of that or never find it at all. Wow, that's a great question. I I don't know if I have an answer. I think, I mean, well, I have a few thoughts. I'll, if you don't mind me rambling a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, one is, uh, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Uh, I'm not sure that everybody has that, but I didn't feel, uh, it wasn't that I didn't feel like I had choices, but I didn't feel like there was any doubt in my mind that, uh, and I don't know why I started drawing I just I do remember very, being very young and having finger paint and p- making a painting of, of a turtle and just being just amazed and fascinated that I could just do this with my finger, you know, <laughs> this is before our iPads. But just like being amazed that this is uh, and just you know just a sense of awe and wonder that you know the you know in some in, in some way we're we're building a, an imaginary model of the world. We're reflecting the world inside of us all the time, but we very, we, we often don't reflect it back out again in a way that's shareable, mm-hmm. you know, our, our image of the world. So, uh, I, no way I could have articulated it that way at that time. I was like five years old or something, but I, I, I do remember that, um, as vividly. And I think, um, but I, I, th- I will say also, uh, that there are some of the things that made that, um, uh, helped me stay true to that, that, uh, went against me in school. I mean, um, the way that our school system, our education system is structured is kind of, um, not conducive to someone, you know, following a a path that's, that's sort of self-motivated. It's really more about, uh, designing, we have a system that kind of sort of forces people to conform to a kind of a pre-existing notion of what a good worker is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have the things that you have to learn, which is fine, but it's not, you're not, 
as a student in, in grade school and high school, there's a very limited degree to which you are driving your uh, learning and your future. For the most part, it's the system that is kind of trying to mold you and shape you and force you into this uh, thing. You know, it's like, for example, um, let's say you're a born salesman. You don't have classes in that in school. You don't really have, a, there's nothing, the school system is not made for you. <laughs> the because I mean, there's, it's not even like a, you know, there's plenty of spaces in the world for salesmen, right? I mean, there's lots of jobs for that, but that's not something that would, you know, any teacher I would probably encourage, you know, or that you'd find mentors and uh, nurturing and that kind of stuff and in, in school, you know, uh, I think, you know, when, when you start getting into college, then you sort of start kind of picking from these alternatives and you have like, uh, you know, let's say you're a bright kid and you're doing well in school and, you know, you're doing well probably because you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, giving your teachers what they're asking for. And that's how we get people, you know, brilliant people graduating from Harvard and Yale, uh, still with no idea what they care about. Mm -hmm. And then they go to work for a big consulting firm or, you know, financial, uh, company. And then they end up, uh, ruining everything for the rest of us <laughs> because they don't know what they want in life except to make money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's just, uh, to me, that's not a goal that, I mean, uh, it's, a, uh, it's, a. I I suppose it's a, it's a useful way to track how you're doing. Um, but you know, money, money isn't a goal. Money's a kind of a byproduct of you, you know, providing value or services to people. And I know, I, unfortunately, I know a lot of people who were, you know, really unhappy in their work mm -hmm. and there, there's really no need for it because there's all kinds of great work and fun work. Mm -hmm. um, wow. A lot of I think, stuff here. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe to boil it down, it's, uh, you know, people, uh, people focus, uh, and this, the way that we educate, you know, forces people to focus on what other people expect of you. And um, we don't do a lot with kids about helping them figure out what they want, what they expect for themselves, mm -hmm. and what really makes them happy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the whole idea of what's wrong with the education system is, is uh, I think, a very, very big cultural topic right now. I think there's no question. Everybody has been talking about how do you fix this? How do you change it? And it's clearly it's very necessary if we're going to prepare people for, you know, a future that does exist. Especially creative. I mean, the th one thing that schools do very poorly, generally speaking, is uh, encourage creativity. Yeah. And uh I know. I mean, I, I, I just was going cleaning out my studio uh, uh, about a week ago and I came across some of these old papers that I had written and, uh, you know, I had the, some of the teachers comments on it. You know, it's like well, highly creative and original, but you strayed too far from the boundaries of what I was looking for. You know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, even at the time I remember thinking, well, I didn't, you know, I, I don't think your boundaries were that clear to me. Uh, you know, I wrote a paper about, it was supposed to be a paper about Sherlock Holmes. I read the book and I, I wrote a Sherlock Holmes story. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't write a paper about the book that I already read. I wrote a new Sherlock Holmes story, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought I didn't see that as being straying away from the boundaries it seemed to me that it was right in the spirit of it. You know, it's like, oh, I got the stuff. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I feel the milieu. Let me explore that. This is how I was doing it. But, uh, yeah, the teacher didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Let's talk about art school for a bit. 
and sure. kind of the entire art school experience. Actually, before we do that, there's one other question uh, that I want to ask you about. One of the things you said earlier was that you always move towards the fear in, in spite of the doubt. How do you cultivate a capacity for doing that? Oh, wow. Well, uh, number one, there's a, there's a rationale behind it, which is this. If you have a difficult decision that you're struggling with, A or B, do this or not do this, or do this or do that, um, the chances are that you are going to be biased in favor of your comfort zone. So the very fact that you're struggling with it, this is my own uh, idea, the very fact that you're struggling with it means you know that the right decision is the one that's away from your comfort zone. That's why you're struggling. <laughs> Maybe unconsciously you know that, but you mm -hmm. know that. Uh, if you didn't, if you didn't know that, there'd be no reason to even have a dilemma, right? Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> in the world. So it was almost like a way of overcoming a kind of an rationale behind it. And, but the the way that I did it, um, I think. So I've have figured out a lot of ways, and that's one of them to trick myself into doing the things that you know, I should be doing or they're going to put me into interesting places. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, there's, so there's a, I could, there's a whole, I, I don't know if I could list them, but I have them in my head. These, uh, I guess, tricks or rules of thumb, you know, one is, uh, you could do anything that you can do in a big way. You could probably figure out a way to do it in a small way. Mm. You know, like when I started my company, I didn't quit my day job. I just started my, started my company and kept working my day job, you know, uh, didn't, you know, I didn't make a huge leap you know, quit everything, you know, um, eventually I my day, I got my day job down to 20 hours a week and I was growing my company. So I've sort of like baby steps or small, small steps is one, uh, way of tricking yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, another way is to, uh, make a promise of, uh, to somebody that is something you don't know whether you can deliver or you're a little nervous about, but make it far enough out like six months away. Yes, I will. I will get up on your stage and I will give a talk on this topic in three months, <laughs> you know, then, then you, you know, pretty much you put it, you, you kind of put a stake in the ground and, uh, you know, it may make you, it may, it may give you the cold sweats on a few nights, but you know, you're going to, you got to follow through because you said you would. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a couple, those are a couple, um, uh, but I think I, I you know, another one is, uh, just to start in the middle, you know, it's like, if you're going to, now that we have social media, you know, I've, 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 I'm ready. I've written a couple books and I'm working on a third and, uh, you know, what I'll do is take a chapter and even if I'm not quite sure about it, I'll put it out on the web and ask people what they think and just, or put out a part of a chapter and, you know, uh, make, so that's another trick is to sort of start in the middle of things you're you're in the middle of something already just put it out there let people uh pick on it let them love on it whatever they're going to do and let them help you shape it um i taught art for a while mm -hmm. and one of the things that i saw in a lot of art students was this um uh it was almost like the opposite of starting in the middle it was like well um i don't want to show my portfolio yet because it's not ready it's not perfect yet it's not ready Hmm. I don't want to show it yet. Okay. So, well, <laughs> and here, the, this was the thing is like, okay, what, what happens when you do that? Number one, it's sort of someone going towards their comfort zone. Pro you know, a lot of our students don't want to go out and show their work because it makes them feel really vulnerable. And 
the excuse that you're just perfecting your portfolio, you're still working on it, it's not perfect yet, is a way to put off the inevitable just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So it's, but here's the, the the problem with that is, let's say you do get to a point where, well, number one, maybe it's never going to be perfect, in which case you're never going to show it to anyone, in which case you're never going to get any work, in which case, why are you doing it in the first place? So that's right. one possible direction. The other possible direction is, you do get it to where it's perfect, and then you take it out, and then it's going to be really hard to take criticism because any of the slightest uh, criticism of your perfect thing is going to be emotionally crush you. Yeah. So there's no good outcome <laughs> from that. Neither, either one, neither one, neither. You, you, and so uh, what I would, I will always encourage my students to do is take them out when they're sketches, take it out when they're not finished, take it out when they're when you're not when you don't think they're perfect. Get people's uh, thoughts and opinions on it. Ask them where you, what you think you should be working on. Ask them, tell them that it's not ready, but you really want their input. And you, you've got another six months of school to go and you want to actually, you're working on a portfolio and you want their uh, participation and help. And um, a few of them did it and uh, I think it worked out really well for them. I think that um, that's, a, that's a way to uh, uh, get past some of that fear is, you put something out when it's a sketch, you've got a lot less of your heart and soul invested in it. And mm-hmm. it's easier to take uh, input from people. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think that thought process could be applied to just about any project. That's such a, a really, really cool way to approach, I think almost any creative project. So let's talk about art school for a bit and mm-hmm. sort of the art school experience and, and how that sort of influenced and shaped the way you see the world uh, and sort of the, the impact that that has had on your career. Well, I went to a school called Art Center College of Design, which is in Pasadena, California. And uh, Art Center was and is sort of known as a very uh, technical uh, kind of an art school. In other words, it was very hands-on. It was very much uh, learning about materials, working with materials. And uh, I've sort of described it before as being kind of like the karate kid. If you've ever seen that movie, mm-hmm. um, the karate kid goes to Mr. Miyagi and he wants to learn karate, but all he has him doing is waxing the fence and waxing the car. And he just doesn't understand what's going on. And, uh, but it's a, it's a sort of a body learning. And, uh, when he, what he doesn't realize is that he's, what he's learning is that he's teaching his body, his muscles, how to do the stuff. And, uh, so I, I basically went to art center because I had looked at all the catalogs of all the different art schools and I saw the student work, uh, and I just thought it was, you know, off the charts, amazing compared to the other schools. And so I, uh, I went there and with the very, uh, with the understanding that, you know, this is like, kind of like, uh, um, you know, this is, this is, this is like going into a sweatshop almost, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're going to, and we had literally classes where the entire class, the only, uh, thing that you were working on was a, a painting, a grayscale, 10 even steps from black to white. And, uh, You'd be painting. It was like the you know the Karate Kid on the fence, you know, black, well, gray, and then you would paint, and then you take it up to the teacher, and the teacher would be like, you know, kind of go down the the steps. Yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, no, no. <laughs> Back to your table. 
<laughs> and so, uh, ironically, you know, the art school wasn't really where I learned creativity, uh, so much art school for me was where I, uh, was able to, it was sort of like a, uh, boot camp where I brought my physical art making skills up to the point where I, uh, they improved my ability to create, be creative. I think it's a sort of like a, and it gave me the confidence also to say, wow, if I put my mind to it or if I, you know, put effort into it, uh, I can accomplish almost anything. And I think that, you know, design, art design uh, has, is, is about making things in the physical world. And so the more you can understand about the nature of the materials that you work with, plastic only does certain things. Plastic does certain things well and other things not so well. Same with aluminum, same with oil paint, uh, same with clay. Uh, the better and more deeply you can understand the materials, uh, the more possibilities there can be. And I've now, if and I've gotten to where, because of this consulting work that I've done, do, been doing, I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking about things as materials that I never would have imagined. I was thinking of. I mean, I'm thinking about, uh, for example, belief as a material. What is a belief? How do we form beliefs? How do you, how do we, how do you create the things that you believe? How, uh, how can, how can you make better beliefs? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, so I think my big takeaway from art school was, uh, the importance in, in any kind of making to have, uh, a deep, uh, sort of, and physical understanding of the materials you're working with, hmm. especially, uh, so now that we're getting into, you know, uh, software being embedded in everything, it's like software code, um, uh, is becoming embedded in anything. It's probably going to be one of the most important design materials um, in the next few decades. Wow. So let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, let, let's really start talking about this idea of drawing to make sense of the world, which you brought up earlier, and really solving complex communication problems. I mean, how do we take that whole idea and how do we apply it to our own lives, the problems we're dealing with, you know, the creative issues we're, we're struggling with? Um, I mean, how does somebody take what you teach and apply it on a day-to-day basis? I love that question. Uh, so drawing, so let's say you have, um, you know, we, we're walking through the world all the time, right? Trying to improve our understanding of things, trying to get better at, at living our lives, whatever that means. Um, and uh, drawing is a way, for me, is a good way to sort of imagine uh, the future. Or, you know, you can simulate. It's like a way, a very cheap and easy way to simulate anything. So let's say, uh, let's say, uh, you know, we want to, I want to, let's say um, there's an exercise I used to do with my students um, that was uh, sort of a visual exercise, even though uh, I didn't have them draw it, but I had them draw it in their minds. And I would basically say to people, okay, it's five years in the future. Close your eyes. Now imagine it's five years in the future and you have got your perfect life. 
All right, so uh, you're waking up. It's first thing in the morning. What do you see? Where are you? Are you in a house? Are you in a trailer in Utah looking over the mountains? Are you are you in uh, Washington, D.C.? Uh, <laughs> where are you, first of all? What do you see when you open your eyes? Is there a, is there a cat there? What? Um, and then I have, would have them walk through their day, you know, and just picture it, form a picture. Um, what's it, what's it like? Where you're, you're going to work now. Where are you going? How are you going? Are you on a bike? How are you going to work? Where is it that you're working? Or are you just walking across your house to a computer? Are you going to work from home? And just having them walk through that, uh, future life, their future self, Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, you, I, what I'm really doing there is I'm asking them to make a drawing. I'm asking them to make a sketch of, uh, what they want, what they, how they might imagine their, uh, uh, happy, engaged, fun, fulfilling life. And, uh, that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's to me a way to use drawing um, you could do it on a piece of paper uh, as easily as you could do it in your mind. But mm-hmm. it's a way to take something that is – most people don't spend time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to take something and say, okay, um, you can draw what's in front of you or you can draw what's possible, what could happen, what might happen. What might it be like? What would it feel like? And by uh, – Sometimes I like to say, um, if it, drawing is a way to to see if something is possible, it's a way to test whether something could be possible. Because if you can't if it can't be drawn, then it can't be done. Mm. <laughs> right? Doesn't mean that if you can draw something that it it's possible. I mean, I can draw all kinds of I can draw pink elephants. That doesn't mean they're possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can't draw something, then you definitely won't be able to do it. <laughs> That's, you know, it's really interesting you say that. And, and the reason I'm thinking of this is I was thinking about how I was trying to sketch a concept for a landing page for a new writing project that I'm working on. And I knew that there was going to be an artist involved and I had no idea what his art would look like, but I sketched it out, uh, a very, very awful looking sketch, just chicken scratch <laughs> pretty much. And it was interesting because I saw what the final version looked like and I saw what my sketch looked like and I thought, wow, the sketch actually helped tremendously to do that. And I can't draw worth a damn, by the way, which actually takes me to, my, to one of my next questions and one of my last ones is, is this idea of thinking that, hey, I don't have any artistic skill. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people like Mike Rohde and I constantly hear from people like you that this is not about artistic skill. It's a way, it's about expressing yourself visually. Uh, and I'm wondering how you overcome that limitation internally. Mike and I have talked about this. Uh, I've talked to others. I think, you know, if, if you were, if you go into a kindergarten class or a first or second grade, uh, school and you ask people to draw anybody, everybody's drawing. Uh, there's no, there's no hesitance to draw. And, uh, it's the same with writing. Uh, all kids will do it. Uh, math, they'll try, you know, um, the challenge is, that um, you have, uh, as you grow, you sort of like, you stop doing it. You sort of let it atrophy for a little while. Um, The thing is, if you look, if you go and look at a a five-year-old's drawing, um, you can see every, you can tell everything, you can see what everything is, right? Mm -hmm. 
you, there's no lack of clarity there. It's not like anything's confusing or you can't tell that this is a chicken or this is a apple or this is a ball. Uh, and in the, in, if you, if, if, in some cases, if you, if it is unclear, the kid, you will usually label it right with an arrow ball or arrow, whatever. And, uh, I don't think that people in, uh, like grownups using drawing, uh, if you're drawing to communicate, you don't need to, uh, be any more clear than you were when you were five or six, you were able to do it at one time. Hmm. You just, uh, you just stop doing it. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, and usually the reason that, uh, we stop doing it is because the teacher somehow we, we form this inner judge that says that's not good enough. And, um, someone, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, if you were to look at my drawings when I was, you know, seven years old, and compare them to the drawings that you did when you were seven years old, there would be no distinction. They, they, they look pretty much the same. They look like a seven-year-old's drawing. Mm. Um, when it, and I think what the way I just try and get people over this hump, and I do a lot of teaching you know, senior executives or business people how to draw, um, the thing that, I, that helps them, I've, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about how can you help people get over this hump. And there's something that I, I can share with you uh, by link or something. I've done some videos on this. Um, one of the things is this idea of a visual alphabet. You know, that when we're learning math, we learn first, we learn counting, and then we learn uh, addition, and then subtraction, and then multiplication, and then division, and we kind of work our way up. And then algebra, when we're learning how to write, we start with the alphabet, then simple words, then we put sentences together. Um, we don't really teach drawing in that way. We don't teach it like a, a communication skill. We think reading, writing, arithmetic. We don't think reading, writing, arithmetic, and whatever a rendering or whatever the drawing word would be. Um, but I do believe that that's a flaw in uh, our education system, not a flaw in our brains. Mm. And so what I say to people is, you know, you don't. You might say, oh, I'm not. I'm no Rembrandt. I can't draw. I'm not an artist. I can't draw. But you don't say, uh, I'm not a writer, I'm no Hemingway, so I'm not going to write an email or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to write anything. Right. <laughs> uh, we learned that writing is something that, you know, literate people do, you know, it's, it's literacy. And I think visual literacy is something that is uh, along similar lines. Um, if, you know, if you just get yourself over that hump and stop uh, looking at your drawings as something that has to be like wall worthy for mm -hmm. lack of a better word and just start looking at it as is this going to help me convey my ideas i mean you could draw stick figures and uh, word balloons and thought bubbles and connect them with arrows and have a very very incredibly powerful um uh communicate very powerfully uh, certain ideas that are very difficult to convey using math or words, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to things that are not linear, where you have uh, diagrams, where you might want to show something, feedback loops, or you might want to show something that's happening over uh, a period of time, or uh, if you think of or what people, several people are doing at the same time. You think about a football play, for example, and how, how you diagram a football play, I and mean, try and say that in words. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, there's, there's the football players on the field doing the things that they do. And then there's somehow trying to imagine that and communicate it in your head. Well, you know, X's and O's on a whiteboard is a great way to do that. It's, it's drawing. That's drawing. Hmm. 
I love that. This has been just brilliant. Uh, so many cool insights in this, in this chat and so many things I'm going to put to work myself. Uh, Dave, I want to wrap with my, my final question, uh, which is how we close all our interviews. What do you think it is that makes something, uh, or somebody unmistakable? Unmistakable. Wow. Well, uh, to me, unmistakable means, um, they're memorable. So I'm, uh, I have somehow, uh, they've made a impression on me. They've made an impression on my mind, my heart. Uh, they've done something for me. Um, uh, some kind of powerful impression that I will never forget. They've probably emotional connection. And, uh, even if it's just, you know, watching someone on a film, like I, I'll, I don't think there's ever going to be a movie with Johnny Depp in it that I won't go see, that I won't enjoy just for watching Johnny Depp. He's unmistakable to me. Uh, what is it that makes him unmistakable? Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's that emotional impression that someone can make that makes them, you, you know, you recognize and feel uh, something coming from them that you, that's just unforgettable and unique. I love that. Uh, well, Dave, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you here as a guest of the unmistakable creative. This has been mind blowingly cool and incredibly insightful. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's really been a pleasure to be here. So yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah. And we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that. 
and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.